It's the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Uh, And let's start it off with the opening film of the festival, the sensation of the festival, Coda, of course, directed and written by Sean Hader. It's about Ruby, a child of deaf adults, or a a Coda. She's the only hearing person in her deaf family, and when the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music and her fear of abandoning her parents. Amanda, there's a smile on your face already. This is a (laughs) delightful movie. Tell me what you liked about Coda. It is. There's really not Amanda much dropped the 25 mil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. There's really not much not to like about this movie. This is just, it's it's cookie cutter in so many ways, but the things that make it unique makes it trump the cookie cutter aspects of it. Like there's so many things that might feel like cliches, like tropes, like things we've seen so much, but because it is being told through this, like mm-hmm. a perspective that we have not really seen before, that's what elevates it. And that's why telling stories like this is so important and getting that diversity, getting that inclusion out there so that people can understand different ways of life. Like this makes me want to learn at least American Sign Language, ASL. And it's just such a heartwarming movie. I'm already a big fan of of coming-of-age stories in general, so it already kind of ticked off that box for me. But uh, it's just a nice movie of somebody trying to weigh the, you know, there's this goal and passion that I have, and I'm actually good at it, and I have a chance to achieve it when I didn't really ever consider that for myself before. And being there for my family when I feel like I'm my family's only link mm-hmm. to the, the, this, like the, the rest of the world where I, I feel like they need me. And in some ways they in, encourage, not necessarily encourage that, but they perpetuate that. Right. They perpetuate that idea that they need her, even though they did manage their entire lives before she was born. Yeah, I think Art um, mentioned when we were live streaming that it's kind of analogous to the experience of the children of immigrant parents. Immigrants, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that yeah. the way that being the, translator? the way that they're leaned on to play this role it, to help the family survive yet they're a child and should not have to take on the brunt of that responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was so. I thought it was really good. There's a reason why they paid big bucks for this. I'm sure there yeah. was a bidding war behind the scenes because Apple took it. I thought it would have done well if it was going streaming with Netflix, but this is something that would have done so well theatrically as well. If it doesn't end up getting a theatrical run, considering the state of the world, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, this was just nice. Like, this is the one, like, usually you walk away from a film festival with at least one movie that you can very safely recommend mm-hmm. all your family members, and this is that movie, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, none of us chose mm-hmm. this as our favorite movie of the festival, but I, I think if, like, every person in the world watched every movie at Sundance, this would be the number one choice, because it's a very crowd-pleasing yeah. movie. It's a very uh, broadly enjoyable movie. I, th- I think the average movie fan is going to really eat this one up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I had a question. Mm-hmm. Was this the best ensemble? <laughs> so I don't think so. Was this the best directing? Definitely not, in my opinion. Was this the grand jury? <laughs> I'm putting you all on the spot. Like, I need to make this, sign the deal off. It, it is a very enjoyable movie. I yeah. think that, uh, yeah, it's it's the biggest hit of the festival. I'm surprised that with the awards, they didn't split it up yeah. for more, you know, yeah. different things. But there's a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes. And uh, again, it's like you said, you're finally able to tell what may seem like a cliche story, but from a perspective that's just not on screen. And I, yeah. I it showcases how effective seeing sign language on screen, which mm-hmm. they said, it's not just um, 
English, but no, it's a completely different language. Yeah. Again, it has its cliches, but I think it's going to be the biggest crowd pleaser. I think that Apple is so excited that it won all of those awards because now it's going to be able to push it from its point of view. But uh, the behind the scenes is very interesting in seeing how not only did she learn sign language, uh, the director and the star, she learned how to sing. Mm -hmm. She had not taken singing lessons either. So, Yeah. uh, yeah, there are a lot of sequences in this that I like. And it's definitely going to be the biggest hit because not only did it win all the awards, it also swept the biggest, highest record from Sundance at $25 million. Mm-hmm. So. By a lot. Yeah. Record holder before yeah, it wasn't this even was close. $17.5 million and 69 cents. Yeah. And I think that pickup from Apple yeah. makes a lot of sense because, like we said, this is just going to be a very yeah. uh, heartwarming movie. It might even be in the awards conversations as well. You know, for every one of its kind of like eye roll inducing cliches or, or very like middle-of-the-road jokes, it has just a Mm. genuine moment of feeling like it's authentically depicting the type of family structure that has not been depicted in film like this before. You know, and and, and I think it's so full of those charming moments that it ultimately wins you over. And yeah, th- this is a crier. Like I, I was, it is. <laughs> I was in tears twice. So yeah, same. the pickup scene uh, for me, pickup, scene? pickup at the back of the pickup. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah my the God. Scene. oh my God. That was the one for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. I do agree though. Well, with we have what, a whole video on this one too. I, yeah. We're going to talk at more length about this one in a separate video. I do agree with art though. The fact that it, was such this dominant force uh, when it comes to the Sundance Awards is a bit depressing. Sundance did have a little bit of trouble spreading the love around this year. Yeah. And, and I think... I would have loved to have you know, that's something Don't that, they usually... Yeah, they, they've been doing yeah. this thing. And there was a lot of special jury ones, too. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. don't also give them the special jury award if you're going to give them the directing and grand jury prize. Like, yeah. come on, show a little bit of love to On the Count of... Oh, they did show a little bit. Show a little bit of love to Passing. <laughs> yeah. Passing got nothing. Passing is actually the one that should have won directing. Ooh, I can, I Zach. Can okay, yes. I mean, I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you would also. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we jump into the next yeah, we'll one, I would like to say that she did do a great job yes. directing in yeah. terms of having every, they, every uh, all the interpreters on set <laughs> were also CODAs. Mm. So there is that aspect where she cannot yell cut without the actors obviously looking at her. So I do think that she deserves at least the recognition, maybe not my favorite win in terms of directing for the category mm-hmm. but that idea of having to sometimes go through a translator to get to the actor and i do find that very fascinating mm-hmm. but i'm curious to see more of the behind the scenes and how they were able to work that out because i know for her the boston setting and the fishing setting was was like the director's dynamic that's what she knew and then they just took the comedy which again it's a french comedy based and on, made yeah. it more of a dramatic mm-hmm. american yeah. film yeah all right, so let's get into I Was a Simple Man, directed and written by Christopher Mikado Yogi. As a family in Hawaii that. faces the imminent death of their eldest, the ghosts of the past haunt the countryside. Uh, this is a immaculately shot film. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the cinematography here is some of my favorite in Sundance. Uh, unfortunately yes, for sir? me, uh-huh. I felt really disconnected what? from the story. I, I, feel, I, I felt like this was a very cold emotional emotionally film that didn't really open itself up in terms of uh what its characters were feeling and and experiencing and then it gets kind of convoluted into its uh the way that it's trying to blend memory and reality 
I felt like it was really reaching for Uncle Boomy, who could recall his past lives. But Art, I know you like this one. You know what, Zach? I don't disagree with you. <laughs> but it worked for me a little bit. I was excited for this one because it is based off of the director's grandpa. When he yeah. passed, he said he was there near his deathbed and those emotions of like like seeing him go and having everyone say oh, that he was a simple man. And he goes, no, he wasn't. I found this fascinating because, again, yes, you are right. It is everything that you are saying. I think this is going to end up on the Criterion Collection just because of the way he tells this story oh, wow. and where he is not like the main character is the, the grandpa. But it's also the island. Mm-hmm. And again, I have been recommending this on Intercut LME as well. I really like Cane Fire, a documentary talking about Hawaii. And I think that's going to be uh, a, a story that more people will be able to relate yeah. to. And I think if you watch that and then hear the director speak about this movie, he pretty much said that the entire editing, the entire rhythm is waves. You get a little wow. bit, you come back. When you go back to the flashback, you get a little bit more. So it is not something that we are used to narrative wise he based this entire like he went to hawaii breathed in and he went that's the narrative i want whatever (laughs) that means that the island is telling him and because of that i like how he said it is a story about hawaii and how the island has changed the repercussions the dude feels is secondary to it but i can also see your perspective because it is called i was (laughs) a simple man (laughs) but it is more based off of the island and uh the way that the island changes also changes this man's life Mm -hmm. and you see that in terms of kind of like a narrative that then kind of becomes a timeless ghost story which i i see what you mean but with the comparisons it is very there's a rhythm to it that's very slow very slow but it's very methodical Mm -hmm. and i I didn't hate it. <laughs> it does test your patience sometimes, but I did like the experience of watching it, and I thought it had some very beautiful shots where I was just wondering how they were capturing some of it because it felt like a dolly, but it wasn't really yeah. a dolly. And there's just some imagery where he's trying to capture the island, not just from what it is now, but what it used to be as well. It's going to have a pocket of people who like yeah. it. This is like a music box type movie. Yeah. I- did you get to catch it, Amanda? No, I ended up skipping it because Zach said it was so bad. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I, it's not going to be for everyone, for sure. But I don't think it was like... I, I see what he was going for, and I found it interesting. Yeah. But again, I've like been studying Hawaii ever since Cane Fire, and then a couple of other shorts and docs that I've seen. That's fair. So it's like I've already I'm, been in that yeah. state of mind. But I'm super interested yeah. by Hawaii as a concept. And like it's like a place that I've always wanted to go, but then also recognize like Bro. how much tourism has just destroyed it. And the That's cultures... Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. I'll check it's it how out. It, it's how it affected him as a man. Yeah. I'm going to see if they they might send a link. Maybe I can politely ask for a link. Yeah. Have them send you the Criterion Collection (laughs) spine already. It's going to be a hit for people. I'm curious to see what he does next. I'm just a little disappointed that I think the two of the movies that I thought were the most beautiful to look at this and uh, In the Earth were not hits for me. Mm. But, you know, they clearly were for some people. Users as well. Mm, Right. Uh, we'll talk about another movie that I thought was beautiful and actually good in a little bit, but uh, let's first get to... <laughs> you didn't like the dog? <laughs> the timeless dog? No, oh, no. God. Oh, my... <laughs> All right. Okay, Jockey. Jockey. Okay. Directed by Clint Bentley, this is about an aging Jockey who's determined to win one last championship, but his dream is complicated when a young rookie shows up claiming to be his son. Voices. This stars Clifton Collins Jr., who won the Special Jury Award for Best Actor. You also have an awesome Deserved. couple of performance here from Molly Parker and Moises Arias. Moises Arias, who's who's coming for Chris Abbott's 
crown yeah, as king of Sundance. Say, man, thank you for bit. recognizing him. He's thank in you so much. I love Moises. But yeah, Monos, blast beat. Yeah, this is a, a really interesting portrait of a man aging out of his profession in in a lot of ways. This is going to be the second movie this podcast that I compare to the wrestler uh, because it's really I see it yeah, here. Yeah, see it shows here. the physical ache and strain on his body as he tries to continue to go through the motions that he's gone through, uh, and it's a. Like The Wrestler, it's an extremely great showcase for its lead star. Clifton Collins Jr. here is doing some career best work. You, you really get um, the, the anguish and the struggle and the determination through this performance. I, I thought it was a really fascinating portrait of these people that maybe was better acted than it was scripted. There's a couple really awesome shots in here. I loved there's like a really stripped down way that they portray a couple of races in this movie. And I loved how they were filmed. Uh, but I did mm -hmm. want a little bit more from the script here, even though I, I thought the performances were excellent and the movie was good. That's what you mean. Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, it's just like really great performances. And then like how it came together didn't necessarily hit quite as hard in certain areas as I, as I thought it could. I, I think it's definitely one of those things that like, the the performances drive this movie more so than what what it is, and it yeah. was maybe a couple decisions away from being like really really great. Um, but I did like mm -hmm. this more, way more than I expected to. For some reason, hmm. uh, I just looked at the synopsis of this and not anybody who was in it. So when I started watching it, and I was like, oh Clifton, and I was like, oh Moises. Yeah. So then I was like Moises. really excited because of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how he when he first sees him, uh, he's talking to this kid, and he's like, you're from there. I know someone from there. What's the last name? And he's like, yeah, dad. <laughs> and this whole relationship that they have between each other. I agree with you. I, I, I may like the story a little bit more, but I agree that it's going to be the performances that carry this all the way. I was really rooting yeah. for Clifton to get some recognition for this one. And I'm mm -hmm. glad he did because a lot of what is written actually comes from him. There uh -huh. is a huge, like the big moment, probably what would be the Oscar highlight. He wrote that. Oh, wow. Like they said, this was something that came from him uh, in, in his backstory with the director himself also coming from, I believe his dad was also a jockey. So his whole perspective on this was trying to tell people, yo, this is like cheer. <laughs> this is a sport <laughs> where it damages and damages the jockey's body and yet yeah. they come in and do it over and over until they can't no more. You know, yeah. I grew up with Seabiscuit. Like, that's a movie my dad saw <laughs> seven times in theaters. Oh, my God. So, like, I, I understand this world. Like, well, he also had a ranch. Like, we had our own horses okay, and yeah. stuff. So I understand uh, this world a little bit. Um, yeah, I think the performances are definitely what carries it the most. But it is a beautifully shot movie. Mm -hmm. And it continues that horse festival tradition. We had, you know, what was it, Mustang? The Rider. The rider. There's the always going to be that horse movie. And it's up there with those. I, yeah. I think I like Mustang a little bit more than this one and uh, The Rider as well. But again, I, I'm really rooting for Clifton throughout at least the independent awards uh, come yeah. a year from now. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a strong debut. Molly Parker did well. Yeah, Molly Parker, excellent in this yeah. movie. And I think it was she a well. strong debut uh, yeah, from its uh, director, Clint Bentley. Yeah. John and the Hole from director Pasquale Sisto. Oh. It's a non-traditional coming-of-age story oh, set here. in the unsettling reality of John, <sighs> a kid who holds his family captive in a hole in the ground. Ca uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> starring Charlie Shotwell. So potential. Char- starring Charlie Shotwell, Michael C. Hall, Jennifer Ely, and Thaisa Farmiga. Uh, it's a kind of quirky American outsider comedy in the mold of stuff like Chum Scrubber or e- even like a like a Terry or okay. something. I think there's not the vibe I got. I, I think it has much more to do with American indie comedies than it does uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, which seems to have been the the number the one comparison on, on film Twitter. This movie is not yeah. nearly yeah, I don't get that one. Weird. I don't get that one either. It's not nearly weird or mannered enough to fit into the Greek weird wave. I, I think what yeah, this movie no, is, it's like a kind of more of like trying to be this sort of dark comedy about like uh, – male entitlements and the privilege he exercises in in t- disposing of his family and taking over the house but it's got one thing it does and then it stays in that mood for the entire duration of it without really adding any elements I think this movie is so blank for ideas it's frustrating that he yeah. keeps coming back to talk to his family and literally says nothing to him to, to his family because yeah. I think this movie has nothing to say you know I wanted it to be much weirder. Uh, there's a couple moments yeah. like, where he's like, tonight I'm cooking risotto. That just, I, that made me laugh. But I think yep. the movie needed way more stuff like that. Huge disappointment. Maybe the biggest disappointment of the fest for me. It was one of my biggest disappointments because it's like, wow, with a title like that and a premise like that, like, how could you go wrong? It's, it's kind of how uh, like could you one of those wrong? stupid, brilliant premises, right? Yeah. It should have worked. Yeah. Like, I, I would assume that if you come up with this premise, you found the way to make it work and I'm mm-hmm. expecting you to make it work and you didn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Uh, the most interesting thing I found from this is that Taisa Farmiga is a, is is the other Farmiga whose name I can't remember right now. Sister, and apparently there's six of them. So I was like, damn, okay. So that was the most interesting piece of. I don't know. I just thought that this, like, there was, like, a few things I was trying to touch on, like, the other aspect being, like, kids who want to grow up too fast Mm. and stuff and thinking that they can make it without their family, but it just comes so abruptly out of nowhere that it's, like, I don't understand what you're trying to do with this. Like, I don't get it. And then, like, there was a moment where I thought he was going to, like, do something to an adult woman, and I was like, Mm. oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Art, you seem to be pondering a lot over there. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like, so this comes from the dude who wrote Birdman. Yeah. And I know all the psychology behind that movie as well. So, yes, this is his debut for the dude. But look at the kid. The kid Charlie Shotwell was in Captain Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nightingale. The yeah. Nest. I know he could do creepy stuff because he was an Eli. He's going to be fucked up. On top of that, he was in an interview and he was laughing. He thought it was funny. He reminds me of, uh, what's his name from It and Knives Out. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, is. yeah. Jaden. 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 He used to be Smith. a Lieber Jayden, herder, Jayden. but he changed yeah, it to Martell, I think. Jaden Martell. Jaden Martell. He, he switched is. it up. Yes, it's Martell. Bro, that kid straight up goes, I like taking these girls. <laughs> They're psychotic. Yeah. I this heard boy's say got that. the same energy. Zach came up with something. Again, he said it was, he said this movie was a comedy. So <laughs> Zach's interpretation, Amanda, your interpretation, my interpretation of this film to a degree was, it's reversed. Instead of mass, instead of a kid taking his home life to school, it's because we see it. Yeah. His school life affecting his home life. Yeah. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong, but I also don't want to diss the movie because this is the one movie where I feel it was it smarter than me. <laughs> no one seems to agree. No. 
the only well, praise that this is really getting is for the whole consultant. Lucy liked it. <laughs> and Lucy liked it. Letterbox Lucy liked it. Look, I, no, this is this yeah. is the one that I will say. I feel there is something there. There has to be that like. The cast would not take something like this. Khan would not select this film, but we did Khan select this film? Damn, I don't know. Like Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah. Wow. You get what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like I don't want to diminish it yet because it's just like I just felt nothing was happening, but I didn't know if I don't know, he's showing us imagery that I don't know anything about. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to that conversation with the mom. I don't like know. He, the mom's like, he asked me what it was like being an right. adult and he didn't seem to like that answer. So I think that it has a lot to do with that. And then him thinking, it's like he thought he could just kind of do everything on his own in life and then kind of having that realization that like he does like having people around. But I just feel like that there was some pieces missing somewhere along the line. I there. like the ending. I yeah, did the, like ending, the ending. Yeah, because the ending is just kind of like... So... What Without next? saying yeah. too much, yeah, it, it was um, an inter- it was an interesting uh, yeah. exchange of looks that is that are given. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's also uh, a little like bit another weird choice in this, but I can't wait to rewatch it. Yeah, there was like another weird aspect yeah. to this movie that literally was established as they were like in the filming process and stuff. So I can't believe that this is something that's smarter than us when they added in an aspect of this movie like as it was already rolling. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm trying to have faith. Yeah, I know. We'll see. Let's get into May Day, written and directed by Karen Sinor. This is about Anna, who's transported to a dreamlike and dangerous land where she joins a team of female soldiers engaged in a never-ending war along a rugged coast. Though she finds strength in this exhilarating world, she comes to realize that she's not the killer they want her to be. You have Grace Van Patten, Mia Goth, the dude from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and Juliette Lewis in the cast. Uh, Amanda, what did you think about Mayday? Um, it reminded me of uh, Sucker Punch, but not as exciting. Um, and there was like another, wait, there was like another movie that I compared it to. It was like Sucker Punch. Peter Pan. Yeah, I said, yeah, Sucker Punch and Peter Pan. It had it had that vibe of like the lot, it was the Lost Girls. Hmm. It, Dude, thank you. Yeah. I said the exact same thing. You're yeah. the only other person who brought up Peter Pan and I was like, this is Lost Girls. Yeah, it's like the Lost Girls. Yeah, I think, uh, so. yeah, I said sink, Sucker Punch now with sirens and some Peter Pan sprinkled in. Hmm. Is like, that's what it felt like. It felt like the Lost Girls that kind of get something in their head and this is what they want to do and nothing's going to stop it from happening and they're just going to stay stuck in this in this spot and... Yeah, uh, um, it had moments, but uh, overall, this just didn't quite hit for me. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think, Art? Did you like it? I did. Uh, This is also the only Sundance flick that's playing at uh, Rotterdam, which is going on right now as we speak. So it's already been selected for a couple of other festivals. It's a beautiful looking movie. I do like the cast. I know Mia Goth gets, (laughs) gets, she's already got a little cult fan base as well. What were we saying her name was? Grace Van uh, Patten. I agree with you. She looks yes, like Shailene she Woodley. Looks like, yes, <laughs> but I believe just like um, from Swallow. The girl who looks the same like way that she, Haley Bennett. Is it Haley Bennett? Yes, no, it's and not just Haley. like yeah. she gets, yeah. No, yeah, it is. See, look, I'm, I'm already falling into it as Haley well. Haley Bennett is the one from <laughs> Swallow, I believe these right? Are both, these are both actresses who have like superstar actor actors that they look like, but they themselves, I think, are really good in all of the roles that they're in. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Patton was in uh, The Marowitz Stories as well. 
And mm. I think that she brings a really good performance here. I do yeah. like the visuals. This is one where I do want to watch it again because there are certain lines where they say some stuff. Maybe not everything hits, but I think it's like, a, like we, we were saying, the Lost Girls version of Revenge. It is. Mm. It's a. It's a movie where I think a lot of people have been comparing it to Alice in Wonderland because they go into this other world. This is what I think they thought they were going for in the Blazing World to a certain degree. Yes, but with some actual community with it. Yeah, I don't I think, think it's a bad that. movie at all. I don't think it may live no. up to the hype for everybody. I don't think the no. story may may be in everyone's. Uh, yeah, I was excited yeah, for this one, so I feel were. like it just you didn't quite hit my expectations. So yeah. I had yeah. nothing. I, I didn't even know it was going to look as great as it did. I had no idea about yeah, this movie. But, uh I'd be curious to see if this also plays at South by Southwest. They tend to pick up like three or four Sundance movies. I enjoyed it. Uh, in fact, it, I had seen this and Superior, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm. And I, I feel that may have boosted it up as well just a little bit more because this was like what Superior tried going for, but with a budget in terms of the way that they tried dissecting their characters. All right, the next two films in the U.S. Dramatic category are movies that we'll have fuller videos coming out on uh, in not too long, but we'll touch on them briefly here because they are two of our favorites from this entire festival. First one is On the Count of Three, directed by Gerard Carmichael and written by Ari Katcher and Ryan Welch, who also won the Screenwriting Award at Sundance this year. Premise, two guns, two best friends, and a pack to end their lives when the day is done uh you got gerard carmichael starring in his own movie alongside christopher abbott tiffany haddish jb smooth lavelle crawford and henry winkler this is a really interesting fun uh mix of comedy and drama very nihilistic and dark story about these these guys who kind of act like there is no tomorrow because for them they've chosen not to have one i I really love this exploration of depression and friendship and it's probably the most quotable movie from all of Sundance. So yes. yeah, this was one of my favorites. Amanda, I know you liked it quite a bit too. Yeah, this was definitely, I think by the end of it, kind of when I was moving everything around, this has ended up being my favorite, at least for the stuff that like is Hell specifically yeah. like for Sundance and up for review for Sundance. Like Judas and the Black Messiah was like a work of art, but like this is the kind of movie that I just really like. This is the kind of stuff that really resonates with me because even though it's dealing with such a heavy subject matter, it still manages to be regularly quotable, hilarious, and at the end of the day is still a give a shit movie, which mm-hmm. I love. I've talked about these before. I'm a big fan of them. I thought it was just, it's hard to, you don't want to necessarily call something like this fun, but it is a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's like the, these guys are, are, are kind of like in this moment, uh, and we talked about it in, when we did the specific review, where like nihilistic humor is very popular right now, and mm-hmm. people joke about wanting Palm to Springs. die all the time. And it's that moment of like how much of this is sincere and how much of this is just like, your coping mechanism how is this you just processing that information so i think that that kind of humor being being reflected in movies is uh is really important and uh there's just some like really great moments in this really great quotes i'm i ended up watching it again yesterday because it won an award (laughs) so i'm just i'm a big fan of this one this is one of those ones that you know i will if it comes out on blu-ray i'll spring for the blu-ray very cool Mm -hmm. yeah are anything you wanted to add no, I mean, this was my most anticipated from the fest. I ended up Same. really enjoying it. I wanted to love it even more, but I Same. still thought it was yeah. a solid flick. The king of Sundance is still going to be Christopher Abbott for the foreseeable <sighs> future. So good. Yeah, and again, I, I do like the humor in it and, and just, uh, you know, I was I was happy that the Rami 
duo was able to win for writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe on rewatches, I, I hope they don't change too much. You know, I know that there's some licensing stuff with, with some of our favorite sequences that I think already have been cleared. But there's many times changes mm-hmm. that happen from uh, from Sundance to it actually being released. And as of now, I don't think it's been picked up yet. But yeah, this feels Daniel like tailor made like, for like an A24 pickup, though. Yeah, that's what everybody's yeah. been saying. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes. The other mm-hmm. movie that we wanted to give its own video because we liked it so much was Passing, written and directed by Rebecca Hall. This is about two African-American women who can pass as white, choosing to live on opposite sides of the color line in New York in 1929. It's an exploration of racial and gender identity, performance, obsession, and repression based on the novella by Nella Larson. Uh, It's with Tessa Thompson, Ruth Negga, Andre Holland, Alexander Skarsgård, and recent Screen Actors Guild Award nominee Bill Camp. Shout out Queen's Gambit. But yeah, this is just an immaculately made film. This is the one film that I thought was beautiful to look at that was also just a beautiful movie. The, the, the textures, the colors, the scenery, the, the atmosphere, the music, the sound design, the acting. This is just a, a really excellently crafted film. One that I'm hoping is not forgotten about as we move closer to the 2021 awards race. Uh, I, I liked so much about this movie. I've been tossing it over in my mind. Uh, Art, I know you liked it even more than I did. Top four of the fest for me. Top one of the U.S. dramatic for me. I did not think it was going to be that good. I absolutely loved it. The more I think about it, the more I think about some of the subtext that they have, especially with the final sequence. I told you all about the book. The cinematography Mm -hmm. that Zach's talking about, I had a problem with it until I realized what they were actually doing with it and how they were Mm -hmm. speaking through the shadows of it. What it's there Uh, for. Yeah, just the the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of... uh, Rebecca Hall's own backstory and uh, just what both actresses brought to the table. I was hoping to see some awards going to, to them, honestly, in this category. But I know they only do one actor award. Um, I, I just thought it was fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch this one again. I was hoping to, but it sold out. I can't even be mad about that either. It's a brisk 90-something minutes, just like the <laughs> book is 90-something pages. And I think that there's a lot to chew over in this one. I think we're going to be talking about this one for a little bit. Yeah. Amanda, any quick thoughts? <laughs> no, that that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, that kind of sums it up. We talked about it in length. Yeah. When I finished the movie, I immediately wanted to like read mm-hmm. the book. So that's always a, a good sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Superior, directed by Aaron Vasupolis. On the run, Marion returns to her hometown in upstate New York to hide out with her estranged identical twin, Vivian. Struggling to put the past behind her, Marion lies about the reason for her return, leaving her sister in the dark until their two worlds begin to collide. This one actually stars a set of identical twins, too. Yeah. It's not doing one of those doubling actors things. I didn't get to catch it, but I think both of you did. So, Amanda, what did you think about Superior? Yeah. I think I, I might have liked it a little bit more than Art, just based on what he said. This is another one of those ones that, like, I'm immediately seeing the ways that it could have been made better. And that it always just frustrates me. It's just one of those things. I did really like the performances. I liked the story it was weaving behind the scenes. I know there this is based on a short. I don't know if the short is better because I haven't watched that. But there's like a lot here that I wish they had just done a little bit more with because it is a really compelling 
idea and story and it could have been used very effectively to be a very like thrilling movie and it gets there in areas but then other times not so much so what about what do you think uh the short it's on youtube and it is the same actresses it's the same set of twins playing what would be their characters what six nine years i can't remember exactly off off the top and now that they're older and now that they're married and uh I thought that there were a lot of moments in this movie that were really effective in terms of them taking each other's lives and mm-hmm. them wanting to, you know, the old, yeah. you know, twin switcheroo type thing. The problem, I think, would come in that there are moments where, as beautiful as it looks, because I believe it is shot on film, there is moments where you're so invested. But you do kind of question how someone can't tell, especially when they're so close to uh, one of the twins, how there are moments where the acting mm. just, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't come across as strong as they think it may have been and you would have loved to see another take but i do like the energy behind the movie i do like a lot of the set pieces that they have like amanda was saying there's certain parts of it that could have been a little bit better i do look forward to rewatching it Uh, i like the poster i think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that they can continue on this storyline with these characters they already have the short they already have the feature uh but they got to bring back the dude who works at the ice cream shop because he killed it (laughs) he has this energy (laughs) are you saying being the stoner dude who works in the back fantastic are you saying this is a candidate for the the blind spotting award for should be turned into a tv series for stars within three years or yes i just need the budget (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's get to the next one together together written and directed by Nicole Beckwith. When young loner Anna is hired as the surrogate for Matt, a single man in his 40s, the two strangers come to realize this unexpected relationship will quickly challenge their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the peculiars of love. This one stars Ed Helms and Patty Harrison with some performances from Tig Notario, Julio Torres, who steals every scene he's in, and Anna Conkle of Pen15. This is a very charming romantic comedy of sorts although it's weird to call it that since there's mm-hmm. no like literal romance yeah. in it but it is about this relationship between these two friends and the the pl- type of platonic love that can develop when people become close and there's something very sweet about this story that makes it hard to dismiss even though i i found it to be extremely slight like there's not a whole lot of there there uh but it it, it the the performers are funny. The The idea behind it is really sweet. So I, I kind of liked this movie, despite not really thinking there's like a whole lot to love about it. Uh, Art, Art, I think you like this more than the rest of us, though. I did. Uh, this is in my top three of the U.S. dramatic. I, I, I'm not saying that it, it overdoes anything mm-hmm. that you guys are saying it's missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a story about something we don't usually see. It is a non-rom-com. It is not going for the romance. It is just showing you how two people can have this platonic relationship. And she talked about the director, uh, who I I do think is funny, uh, that this is coming at it from the perspective of sometimes you feel that in order to love something, that has to mean forever. Mm -hmm. Mm. And some people can't take that out of their mind and see that it doesn't have to be. Again, this goes with what I've been saying about a lot of the comedies and with com- with comedians that are coming off more like dramas than they are the funny parts of it, and I would agree with that here. But I just like seeing their relationship on screen, just two people who actually learn to care about each other, who do love each other, but don't mm-hmm. need to have what every damn movie feels needs to be there, you know? And we had a lot yeah. of those moments in other movies in Sundance where characters go, yeah. I thought we were just friends. Here, it's actually holding on to that. I, I-, I think 
think Zach, you yeah. were mentioning in one of our previous talks how you 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 wished Ed Helms did a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Ed I can't Helms disagree just with perpetually. That. Yeah, he just always feels like Andy. Yeah, it feels like office. everyone's making fun of him in it's, the movie, and you're like, yeah, I would too if I was in the movie. But you said you disagree with that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, easy. He's, mm-hmm. he's just showing up for no reason with like Crocs or whatever else he was bringing <laughs> in. Clogs. Yeah, uh, but Patty was yeah. fantastic yeah. in the movie. She is someone oh, yeah. who. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when, as a comedian, I've seen her and I, and I don't fully enjoy the bit where I find it hilarious, just the her being fully committed to it, mm-hmm. I always find fascinating. So to see her do a dramatic role, I thought she did a fantastic job with it. And I think she's going to be someone to look forward to in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that I, I wanted more from Ed Helms so much as I wanted maybe more from his character, right? Like, I, sure. I think yeah, maybe fair. the way he's written is a little bit thinly uh, characterized. And that that's, I think, one of my problems with the film in general is it, it almost feels like the world doesn't exist outside of their relationship. It's really insular and, and about how they get along. Uh, I, I think I would have preferred maybe some more details, but I don't know, maybe not. Either way, it is a charming movie and, and one that I will recommend. Different type of surrogate, too. Yeah, definitely. Bleecker Street uh, got then, it, by the way. Yeah, oh, Bleaker. yeah. They got it, yeah. picked it up even before the fest. So, yeah, this mm-hmm. is definitely fest, one that's yeah. going to uh, have a release date. I think I saw something about it maybe coming out in April, but I might be imagining Ooh, that. Okay. Wild Indian, the last one in the U.S. dramatic category, written and directed mm-hmm. by Lyle Mitchell Corbine Jr., Two men are inextricably bound together after covering up the savage murder of a schoolmate. After years of separation following wildly divergent paths, they must finally confront how their traumatic secret has irrevocably changed their lives. I think this one is a pretty interesting story about these two characters and the ways in which their lives diverge because of this trauma, how, how different people handle trauma differently how empathy is a driving factor in in how you decide to go about your life and and the way in which manifesting uh, your feelings about what you've been through can really hang over you and stick with you I, i think this movie does a similar thing to something like Moonlight in which there's a jump of time and it lets you fill in a lot of the gaps that I, I really like that about this movie. Um, it is extremely serious. I don't think any character in this movie smiles, but I, I kind of dug what it was trying to explore in terms of like violence and it's, and it's lasting impacts on people. I, I think it's a, a fascinating story. Um, I, maybe a little bit slight and maybe needed to be to have a little bit more of an off ramp towards its ending mm-hmm. uh, to resolve some things. But I was really interested by this one. I think it's a, a pretty captivating story. Yeah, I, I love everything that it was going for, for sure. But uh, I almost feel like when I felt like the story was really starting to get in, mm-hmm. suddenly it was done. Yeah. It's like they yeah. abandoned the storyline that I felt was really getting yeah. interesting. Then it was done. And I'm like, I don't know if I like how this ended at all. And I feel like there was so much more that could have been done here because everything is so compelling and just looking at the way that people can shut off certain emotions because it doesn't even seem to affect them. And then another person, it will literally affect them for the rest of their lives and there's no way for them to escape it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you kind of 
feel like the movie should go for this interstitial feel, but it ends up being more of like a baton pass movie where somebody carries yeah. the story and then hands it off to somebody else, yeah, which is, is interesting in its own construction, but mm-hmm. maybe not as satisfying as, as it could have been. Yeah, I would have been at least fine with like another like 20, 30 minutes yep. on this thing, honestly. So I think what Coming Home in the Dark was aiming to do with those, uh, mm-hmm. like that cycle mm-hmm. of trauma that's come down. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say John in the whole, but a couple of the other ones that we were mentioning in, in the previous categories, this does that, where it's not going to yes. give you the story you think it's going to give you. It is going to give you, uh, the, way, the, the way that it plays out is just trauma coming to fruition. What else do you expect? They're mm-hmm. in the credits and you see it in the movie. It's, it's an early on scene. There is, as Zach said, not just a jump in time, but there is also a, a little bit of a look back at who is considered in the credits a wild Indian. And it's almost like telling you, look at this story from back in the day. Look at it play out now in a modern setting. And mm-hmm. I found that fascinating. There is an aspect of this movie that I compare a lot to something that happens in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with the character mm-hmm. of Chadwick Boseman. And kind of this background to their, uh, I don't know if you want to call it race, their culture, and the traumas that they keep with them only to perpetuate them more and more, I guess. There, there is a sequ- There is a storyline also going on with Jesse Eisenberg, who's in this movie, surprisingly. I yeah. did not know he was in this at all. Who, who tells him that he is the ideal yeah. person to be able to get this promotion. Yeah. He looks exactly the way he should. And mm-hmm. the director himself, I know he said that this was the one movie he was going to make, and he was going to make it the way he wanted to make it. Then he was going to jump into genre films. I'm very excited to very excited to follow his career, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him on franchise number whatever the hell. And looking back and being like, you remember that Sundance movie he made called The Wild Indian? I don't think it's going to get the biggest distribution out of anything in here, but I think we're going to look back on this one and talk about it a lot more in the future. And it doesn't hold your hand; yeah. it just shows you, yeah, this is what happens. What did you expect? Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm really excited for the discourse around the name from people who don't realize who made this movie, why they made it, <laughs> and that the name itself is actually a commentary on like how society treats people, mm-hmm. and it's not concerned with being like well we can't do that because that's not the word anymore but it's like no this is a person talking about his real life experience with his real life upbringing and the real situations that he he exists through as as a native american Mm -hmm. so like yeah you can call it whatever the fuck he wants to call it (laughs) it also they had the dp and the editor from super dark times i don't know if you've caught that movie but uh Mm -hmm. a little bit of that aesthetic and tone comes in here as well so yeah, you're not going to be bored with this one, but you may be left no. like, "That's it. I want more. I want more. Yeah. yeah. Or you wanted it to yeah. be different, which is kind yeah. of the point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we've worked through every movie Everything. in Sundance. Ooh. If you let's seen just this circle back playlist, all of it. Yeah. Appreciate. You. Yeah. Shouts yeah. to you if you stuck with us through all like what five hours. <laughs> this of is longer this video, than the Sundance video. Yeah. But it covers all the movies. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully we gave enough time to the movie that you liked out of Sundance. Definitely know what movies you liked out of Sundance. I do want to circle back very briefly to the idea of the awards. Uh, given that I don't think the premieres or the spotlights are eligible for stuff like the Grand Jury Prize or the Audience Award. Uh, is there a movie that you would have given Grand Jury Prize at, at this year's Sundance rather than CODA? Judas and the Black Messiah? 
Um, yeah, I would have given it to Judas. I don't um, know if it's eligible. Is I thing. know it's not. It's not. That's the thing. Well, you just said if it wasn't, if it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I do find it interesting how an actress turned director who makes Passing with a really good cast is considered U.S. dramatic, yet an actor turned director with a cast about a mass shooting gets a premiere. Is that a budget yeah. thing? Or is it just... I was surprised uh, by that, too. Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? I that thought would be, Mass would be in competition. I, I thought that would... It, for me, that could get a screenwriting award or something. I, yeah. yeah, so I didn't understand that for sure. But if we're talking just in, in general of some of the other movies that I wish would have gotten the grand jury, I, you know, I don't mind Coda getting it, but I think yeah. it would have been Neither. interesting to see something like On the Count of Three. I personally would have yeah. loved to have seen Passing win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been really dope. But just definitely dividing the categories a little bit more i think one just completely swept everything and i don't know if that has to do with the way things were distributed this year there is a little bit of a difference with the way we consume and i don't even know how many movies y'all rated because it does kind of give it to you at the end but we were also in a hurry to go catch the next one uh i'm curious to see to quote president i'm curious to see how the election was done (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah, I, I agree with you that like maybe passing or on the count of three could have gotten some more of these awards. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Coda is a good movie. So I, I am glad that it uh, did get some of these uh, adulations, even if it's maybe like a lot for one movie. It's like Shit's Creek. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not like some of those other years where we've been like, what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And um, this yeah, it year, is like Shit's Creek, isn't it? I think that. Unlike the miseducation of Cameron Post, we will finally go back to having a winner that will make a splash. Sadly, a lot of the Sundance picks, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they get these big highlights, these big awards, and they don't end up even being the biggest ones out of the fest. So I think Coda's going to flip it around. Yeah, that one will definitely have an audience. Yeah, I I feel like that might have been an intentional choice on their part. Yeah. But hard to say. Guess it doesn't really matter to them. Art, do you have a top 10 or top five of the fest overall? To, um, to I, defi- I definitely have a top four and I'm going to go off, off off the top of my head because my six through like 15, all of them can fight for uh, spot number five. <laughs> but if I can remember correctly, I am going <clears throat> number four is now I'm blanking on it. Hold on. Pleasure. <laughs> no, pleasure is like my number three. Oh, OK. Got it. So I think I have passing. Flea. Pleasure. And then Judas and the, Bla- Judas on the, and the Black Messiah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys. Uh, my number five, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go for um, One for the Road, Coda, because it just warmed my heart, mm-hmm. Pleasure, Judas and the Black Messiah on the count of three. Nice. I'll give you a full 10. Let's I got, go, baby. From 10 to one. Uh, Coda, then Try Harder, then Summer of mm-hmm. Soul, On the Count of Three, One for the Road, my top five is Passing, Censor, Pleasure, Mass, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's got to be Ju- Judas wow, and the Black Judas, Messiah. Judas, Judas is so oh, good. Oh, that's great. My number 72 is... Uh, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> dude, uh, overall, I, do we think that the lineup was as strong as previous years? Do Is that even something that uh, is up for discussion, understanding, and knowing that the studios play right. a different game as well as filmmakers do? Yeah. I got to say that I do think that this was a, a slightly lesser year in quality, at least in comparison to the previous two. We, we've done Sundance now together as a team for the last uh, mm-hmm. three years. And I don't know if I necessarily blame that. 
on uh, like the selection this year so much as I do that when you whittle down a festival like the cut down are, to a third, even though it's seventy mo- movies, it's still fewer movies than normally play Sundance. Yeah. Fewer stuff gets in. There's less choice. You know, I, I think maybe the combination of the smaller festival and that there's maybe fewer independent films in production right now. This was mm-hmm. maybe like a little bit of an off year, but that doesn't mean it was a year maybe. devoid of great stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that there was some like really memorable things. And honestly, it's all worth it just for Judas and the Black Messiah. Like that yeah, was that just, was just the one catching when I that. Remember. That calibrated cool. all of my scores that I've been keeping. Yeah. The moment that was like, because then it lets you know, like, now I know. It's, how it's to once you judge see that great else. movie, everything else falls into place. It's just like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can agree with that. So yeah, a lot of exciting stuff from the Sundance Film Festival. Even some of our stuff that wasn't favorite. Uh, even some of the movies that weren't some of our favorites are worth catching and worth talking so about. We do really want to hear from you about what your favorites were, what maybe even your least favorites were and what you thought about the fest overall. Uh, but yeah, thanks for sticking with us through all these different Sundance videos. Thanks for Amanda for sticking with us for five hours. <laughs> five we're on hours. our fifth day recording this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been so much. Uh, it's good though. I love talking yeah. movies. Thank you. Thank you. So that's all for this. Yeah. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, the Z-S-H-E-V, as in violation, I-C-H. Amanda, where can people find more from you? You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and a lot of other places under Amanda the Jedi. And you can find right. me at LME Explain over on Letterboxd, over on Twitter. And hopefully y'all have got your $10 full out pass for Slam Dance, because that's going to be the next one we cover. And you can catch me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're listening not just to the audio podcast, but to the video as well on our video team, YouTube, video feed, youtube.com slash intercut pod where you can watch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment find new episodes of intercut every monday please leave us a comment like the video consider heading over to itunes to give us a five star review shout out to our listeners in argentina and india the countries of the dog who wouldn't be quiet and fire in the mountains for putting us on the tv and film podcast shouts out there like our facebook instagram and twitter pages all of them are at intercut pod to get updates throughout the week from art from Amanda, from me, from all of our guests here on Intercut Pod. Man, if you weren't following us on Twitter, you didn't get our instant reactions. You didn't get our our pithy comments about what it was like to do virtual Sundance. You're missing out on a lot if you're not following us on Twitter. So do that there. And thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, it's not entertainment, Mom. That's from Censor. <laughs>